0: This is The Inside Scoop with your hosts, Alex Sherman and Edmund Lee. Welcome
1: to The Inside Scoop. I'm Alex Sherman here with Edmund Lee. After a brief hiatus, we join you once again to talk about two big stories today. Uh, A little later, we'll get to Time Warner Cable and Comcast reaching an agreement on a merger. We'll talk about what it means from a customer service standpoint, what it could mean for consumers. But first today, I want to talk about Netflix and Comcast reaching an agreement about transit, about Internet quality, but not necessarily about net neutrality, and it's something that we want to get into. And joining us today, BTIG analysts, Walt Pysak, Rich Greenfield, uh, two experts on this subject. Thanks, guys, for joining us.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Um, so, Rich or Walt, either one of you guys can sort of jump in here. What should people know about this, and what are some of the other media publications reporting on this getting wrong?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest things to start out with is a lot of people are confusing the idea of interconnection and peering with net neutrality and calling this a so-called preferential deal between Comcast and Netflix. And the reality is peering and interconnection are kind of fundamental to how the Internet and all content gets from place A to place B on the Internet. This is really a question of how many middlemen uh, are involved and whether or not some of those middle people are essentially cut out of the process by Comcast going direct or cutting a direct deal with Netflix. And so I think there's sort of uh, many people are incorrectly lumping this all together under the net neutrality banner when, as I think you know, FCC Chairman Wheeler gave a speech a couple of weeks ago where he talked about, Peering and interconnection maybe are cousins, but they are definitely not the same thing as net neutrality.
3: And I think what you're describing is sort of the, the backbone of the internet for years and years and years. The commercial internet have been managed and monitored and administered by a bunch of third-party companies that are that they're, they're for-profit companies. They're not companies that have been doing it for free on their own. There have been these longstanding agreements and relationships between what we call tier one providers in terms of how they exchange or, or trade network is what is the term of art that's used. Um, and I think it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Netflix is just sort of entering sort of an established marketplace here.
2: Netflix does not have pipes that get from their offices in California to my home in New York. There are certainly things that have to occur in terms of relationships with third parties in order to get their House of Cards episode to my TV screen, and that hasn't changed. It's just a matter of how many different
0: people are involved in between point A and point B. So why should we? Some people, I think, some people also have this misperception that there were no payments being made before and that these are new payments that are going right. get made to comcast and i guess ultimately verizon and, and uh, some of the other guys um, you know they were making payments before they're just shifting those payments from one company to another
1: so if all this is is a shifting of payments and it's just a you know a roughly a few million dollars even if it's 25 to 50 million dollars that's not a lot of money when we're talking about these companies why should we care about this
2: well i think start off with the fact that if you go back just to october Reed Hastings and Netflix got onto a public earnings interview uh, discussion and said they believe that there was enough pressure on either side where nobody should have to pay everyone. Basically, settlement free or, you know, no payment peering and interconnection was what they saw into the future. And so this is a pretty significant change, even if the dollars aren't large. It's certainly a big change from what they thought about the future, because while the dollars are small today, the question that everyone is going to raise is, what will those dollars look like in five years, ten years, et cetera?
3: Just to point out, I think Rich was one of the first guys to to kind of peg this a few years back, uh, if not the first, one of the first, certainly, to sort of say that... Uh, uh, to sort of look into the future and say, looks like you know, content companies, whether it's Netflix or others, will have to begin paying uh, these ISPs to get their their content delivered better, faster. What made you see? What made you sort of make that claim? You know, what was a few years ago when you first talked about it?
2: Well, I think it, it speaks to a tweet actually that Walt sent out last night. Why should asymmetric traffic be free? You know, if one side is sending more traffic than receiving, why should that be free? To all parties. I mean it doesn't make any sense if one side is sending a lot more data down into Comcast network than Comcast is sending out into the network. why should that be settlement free? And it, it just always made sense to us as video, which is very, very heavy bandwidth, grows dramatically and this is before we even get to 4k in the discussion we're now having. We looked back several years ago and we're thinking, why shouldn't this be an opportunity? for ISPs like Comcast and Time Warner Cable and others to ultimately get paid for providing better access or opening up more doors for big, fat, bandwidth-heavy applications that want access to their consumers.
3: So one of the things that, Rich, just for our listeners, is describing the sort of asymmetric, you know, that's a term of art, basically a lot of these big uh, ISPs and and Internet backbone providers, they've had these sort of longstanding peering relationships where they just sort of connect each other and trade you know, traffic and network symmetrically which means that they would go back and forth equally in terms of the amount of traffic they were handling back and forth. If it's asymmetric as Rich described, it's one network dumping more traffic onto another. And in that case why shouldn't why shouldn't there be some form of payment since one guy, in this case Comcast uh, is bearing a brunt of the load
2: And one of the things you have to think about is, you know, and I think Walt can talk to this, why is nobody
0: talking about this in the wireless world yet?
3: Walt, what do yeah, you think why about is, that? Yeah, Why isn't that?
0: Well, net neutrality doesn't apply in certain these terms, and now we're getting more into access and then the peering that, that you guys referenced right there. And, and we all know that, you know, these data buckets, these shared buckets are getting filled up as we use uh, more and more video. Um, so the issue that, that we're going to be facing now is, is the wireless operators going to some of these app companies or content companies, Netflix or whoever, and saying, listen, if you want your customers to use your product for product more why don't you have them foot a portion of the wireless bill in fact AT&T has already set up a, a, a process in order to do this sponsored data plans um, Verizon has talked about this many times in the conference calls before again this is more on the access side there's, there's obviously a little bit more competition in wireless than there is on, on the broadband side and, and uh, there's a limited amount of capacity so it's something that seems feasible and, and, and commercially acceptable to do. It's just a matter of getting one of these big guys to be the first one to do it. And I think Verizon has actually talked about having discussions with, uh, with ESPN and Disney and, and trying to attract them to, to doing such a thing where they would pay for, uh, for the end user's uh, data bucket.
3: So, okay, so then, what, what does this mean for consumers? Whether it's going to be on this wireless front or, or, or sort of this, uh, the agreement that Netflix finally uh, made with Comcast, are, are we just going to see higher bills for consumers on the data front going forward? Whether it is wireless or, or broadband uh,
2: cable? Well, from a, a, a wired standpoint, first I'll start off. You know, looking at a Comcast, this should be great for consumers. I mean, look, Comcast clearly was not upgrading their pipes fast enough to accept all of the Netflix traffic. It was kinda like a game of chicken and Netflix effectively blinked because of the size of Comcast. And now Netflix are sorry, Netflix subscribers who have Xfinity, meaning Comcast, are going to enjoy it no increase to their comcast bill no increase to their netflix bill at least as of yet they're going to enjoy a far better netflix experience so that's point one that's great for uh, a, a comcast netflix subscriber the other piece of this that i think is really interesting is i don't think netflix agreed to this just because comcast wanted them to they've been asking for this for a long time we believe comcast also gave them access over the course of the next several months we think you're going to start to see a netflix app actually appear on Xfinity X1 set-top boxes and so it's going to become a lot easier for you to have Netflix without having to buy a Roku, get an internet connected TV Netflix will just appear within your existing Comcast service that's very consumer friendly and I think speaks to your question of is this good for consumers, this is great for consumers.
1: Rich, do you expect uh, Netflix bills to start creeping up either as a part of this or just in general over the next
2: year? i think the dollars as you pointed out correctly i believe the dollars here are very small netflix as you noticed, did not come out and alter guidance i think this is very very small and i think as walt said before these dollars were probably being spent elsewhere There's probably some minor increase in overall expenditures, but kind of a rounding error in the scheme of these companies at at this point in time. I think Netflix, over time, is testing a whole bunch of different pricing plans as usage keeps going up. I think they are realizing they have pricing power. How quickly they use that, I think it'll be relatively slow. I think they learned their lesson the last time about raising price. I think they're going to look for ways to effectively move price higher without an actual price increase by tiering, as you've seen them start to play
0: with in terms of number of simultaneous uh, access points. The other thing to realize here is that this is just a recognition of how much the business model is changing and how people are consuming content over different pipes in different ways and to the extent that it occurs Netflix over Comcast broadband or Verizon broadband there's also the wireless angle to it and then there's the melding of the two you just have Verizon finally get rid of Vodafone in their ownership position of Verizon Wireless that gives Verizon the opportunity to integrate that package together so they they're giving you the over top over the top option on their broadband pipe but then they could also extend that to wireless saying hey every all the content that i'm giving you and you using your Verizon phone i'm not going to charge you for that so even if it's not getting netflix to pay you to pay verizon for that for that content on their wireless phone if it's just verizon themselves saying hey here's the content we just bought the you know nfl sunday package and you can watch that for free it's not going to charge against your bucket that is a differentiation that they can uh, apply to uh, their, their business on an integrated basis. Now that again, Vodafone is not sharing in the economics on, on the wireless side, that their competitors, guys like DirecTV or Dish or, or those that only have that don't have wireless, even in the, in the cable business, are going to find it more difficult to compete with in the future.
1: Would this have been an issue with Comcast attempting to acquire Time Warner Cable that regulators uh, would have looked at and pointed to?
2: Well, it certainly looks like a very savvy move timing wise in terms of comcast getting this deal done removes what is potentially a critic of a deal in netflix uh, obviously we don't know whether netflix will continue to say that bigger isn't you know good for consumers but i think the fact is you know comcast striking a deal with netflix is certainly a sign to regulators that whether they're 20 million broadband subscribers or 30 million broadband subscribers, that these companies can reach market-based solutions without heavy-handed government regulation. I think, you know, right now cable investors are very concerned with what happens with Title II in terms of reclassification. And while Chairman Wheeler is kind of holding it out there as, if bad things happen, I could always go back and reclassify as a... Um, communication service and regulate this under Title II the way telephone lines are.
3: Gives them jurisdiction, it, it, right. Yes.
2: Yeah, but but right now it seems like Comcast, Netflix work this out without the government getting involved. If anything you've got, you know, Google Fiber coming in and trying to create even more competition in the broadband arena. I think the takeaway is is that Things are working pretty well for consumers without the government coming in with an overly heavy handed approach. And so that's going to speak well to the ability to get a deal done between Comcast and Time Warner as this goes to regulators later this year.
1: Rich, just help our listeners a little bit who maybe have not been following this Title I, Title II issue. This has to do with uh, Internet pricing power and, and, and how Comcast has held on to that rather than treating this more as a, a utility, correct?
2: Well, there are a ton of things that Walt probably could explain better than me that go along with Title II classification. But certainly pricing and packaging and the ability to have flexibility changes if you are regulated as a common carrier, which is the definition of a Title II service.
3: But they, he, Wheeler, uh, FCC Chairman Wheeler still left open the possibility of – Reclassifying as title two, but short of that, sort of looking at all of these issues, including peering, including uh, these relationships that a lot of these uh, third-party companies have w- have with each other, because part of the concern could be like, fine. So if Netflix pays, if Google, if Facebook uh, pay for these kinds of special connections, doesn't that just sort of edge out the upstart, the next guy who want the next Netflix, so to speak? Isn't that a concern in terms of you know if you're a government regulator that you want you don't want that competition to be stifled
2: you don't but at the end of the day i don't think that behavior is happening right now and if it does look if bad things happen the fcc is clearly not saying oh we would never do title two we're killing that idea forget that they're leaving it out there as a i don't know quote-unquote scare tactic don't do bad things or we will come in and regulate you in a very heavy-handed way i don't think anybody wants to see that happen i don't think that's good for innovation But at least leaving that that carrot out there or that potential out there certainly is going to affect people's behavior in Internet land. Great.
1: Walt,
0: any final thoughts? I think Rich did a great job at summing that up right there. (laughs) (laughs) Great. As always.
3: Thanks a lot, guys. As always. Very helpful.
1: So the next story we wanted to address is this big Comcast-Time Warner cable merger, a story that's Already been discussed and analyzed from an, in a number of ways, but one way where I think there's been only uh, a limited amount of analysis really is what is this going to mean from a customer service standpoint? I think that's what a lot of consumers worry about, and what a lot of regulators worry about. So I want to introduce Dilawar Sayed uh, at a company called FreshDesk, uh, and 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 Dilawar, thanks for uh, for joining us. Uh, the, you're the North America president of Freshdesk. The first question I want to ask you is, can you just briefly describe to us what Freshdesk does and, and, and sort of w- at what angle are you looking at this Comcast Time Warner cable deal?
4: Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Freshdesk is a leading customer management software and service company uh, with more than 17,000 uh, customers uh, globally. And we we serve a range of industries, a, a range of sizes of customers, and you know our vantage point is one where we are looking at you know how how consumer expectations are evolving um, and in fact' they're becoming a lot more demanding when it comes to customer service and how various organizations of various sizes in different industries, different parts of the world, um, often in response to mm-hmm. organizational change that's happening within those organizations are are sort of responding or or, or, or modifying their customer service strategy. so that's our vantage point and and happy to share with you my perspective uh, and our perspective on this on this major deal
1: so so w- w- what do you think is this a- going to be a good thing for consumers or a bad thing
4: Look, first of all, we have to acknowledge this. That there's a, there's a, a lot of bad blood when it comes to customer service and Time Warner Cable or Comcast. You know, you just have to look at Twitter and see, and I was just, you know, looking in this morning. You know, you, 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 you just search for Time Warner or Comcast, and all you see is tweeting uh, tweets that are actually not, that, that leave a lot to be desired when it comes to expectations for service um, from customers. So, so clearly that's where we are. However, we feel um, that this is an opportunity. You know, here we have 30 million customers who these uh, two brands will be serving together across the length and breadth of the United States. And actually, they are in complementing markets. They don't complement each other. I'm sorry, sorry they, don't, they don't sort of, you know, mostly compete in the same market. So there's a big breadth of, of the customer base to serve. So it's an opportunity uh, with, you know, increased resources, greater scale, and a lot of scrutiny, which can be an asset for a major company like, like Comcast, to actually reset you know, to have a reset on this customer service issue, and really, um, you know, treat customer service going forward as a key pillar, as a core value for this for this new big company. Um, you know, given where they are, and given what the expectations are, and frankly, given what's happening, even with the news that broke out in the last you know two or three days with respect to Netflix having to pay Comcast, um, you know, for, for 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 better access and and better viewing. So there is. It is critical, it is an absolute imperative that Comcast ups the game when it comes to customer service and uses this opportunity as a reset to improve its service.
3: So there's room for both Comcast time and Time Warner Cable customer, uh, customers to see better, right? Because they were pretty low to begin with. Is that, is that sort of the starting point here for us?
4: Well, well, yes, uh, unfortunately, but I also, I also feel like, you know, regardless of where they are today, the reality is, let's not forget, uh, I mean, the narrative in the media might be that, you know, this is becoming a monopoly and they don't have any competition. They do have competition. Uh, competition is from Netflix. Competition is from, you know, satellite TV. Competition is from consumers wanting personalized content on their devices anywhere, anytime. So I almost feel like, um Yes you know the, the, the things are at a pretty pretty low level to begin with, but that is not a threshold that comcast should uh, should compare or or benchmark its customer service uh, metrics with uh, They need to look at you know where the industry is going with industry will be in five years, ten years, and are they want do they want to be relevant uh, The reality is this deal is an effect, is a, is a defensive move on on part of this uh, company. And on part of these two brands in the in the cable industry, and clearly um, they realize that there 's a lot happening with other forms of media and other forms of how media is being consumed. so if you want to stay relevant, if you want to be a key player, uh, you have to make sure that you know very empowered consumers like you and I are getting the best deal. Uh, not just in terms of how they're served but also your narrative as an organization. How do you how do you treat them? You know, and, and as I said earlier, this is an opportunity to reset. And when we say reset, it's not just about the tools and technology they can deploy but also their processes. How they, how they think about customer service, how the customer service uh, you know, flow is handled. Do they have a champion at the highest level in the company who whose job is to make sure customer experience is paramount, maybe maybe appointing somebody as the chief customer officer, right, that brings um, various VPs and folks to look at various things, retention and loyalty all together. So I think, I, I think, frankly, it's a tremendous opportunity.
1: One of the ironic things is that Time Warner Cable's new CEO, Rob Marcus, was championing customer service as one of the things that he was going to improve on. And now if this merger goes through, he won't be running this company after all, so it will fall back on uh... comcast leaders i'm wondering uh... De Loire, do you have any specific suggestions beyond hiring someone to control this where the cable industry can improve itself how can they do this because obviously even with the outside competition cable has still struggled on customer service for years and years
4: well, as I said earlier, you know, I think you could look at improving your process. You could also look at tools and technologies. You know, what, uh, maybe you can deploy, um, you know, frankly, better uh, software. Uh, uh, you know, Prestige is a good example. We, we we see customers, you know, who have looked at new, um, you know, newer technologies that better respond to what's happening in the consumer world. I'll give an example. You know, just uh, looking at our own customer base, year over year, we see the role of social media has has increased multifold when it comes to How people are using social media to communicate, uh, you know, their 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 complaints and reaching out to brands. You know, uh, the the social media requests have doubled year over year, whereas phones have gone down by 15%. And and there are similar trends, you know, and this is happening across various industries. So you can't just look at, I mean, you know, Comcast can't just take their existing paradigm, their existing tools. They're going to have to look at what's happening in the in the industry, how the consumers are expecting. To share the experiences, reach out to these, um, you know, brands through a variety of channels, and use this opportunity to revamp its infrastructure, its, its technologies when it comes to serving customers. So that's one very specific uh, you know, suggestion I have, and I'm sure they're looking at that. And secondly, I would say beyond organization, you know, having a better narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, this needs to be. This is this is also a branding issue. Um, you know. I'm in Silicon Valley, and if you look here, the Netflix uh, Comcast deal has had inf- the influencer community, you know, all up in arms about it. I mean, you you want to engage them, you want to make sure that you actually get ahead of the story and explain to folks the rationale for these things. So yes, some of this is certainly about customer service and technology and infrastructure. The other is it's about handling the PR, the narrative of service, and of course making sure that it's somebody responsible at the highest level to ensure the best-in-class customer service.
3: Yeah, the narrative of service is something the cable companies haven't really held on to uh, in That's the past. Right. In That's fact, right. they've been pretty and, bad you know, about that. Um, right. Yeah.
4: Again, I was just looking at Twitter and, and somebody had tweeted a picture of of somebody standing in line at, at a store, again, with, with, with a Comcast service, and, and frankly, a lot of uh, sentiment was being expressed that I'm, I, I, I can't share here word to word. So you don't have to go too <laughs> far to see what's the pulse of a fellow consumer in this uh, in this industry and that shapes um and frankly has an impact on our view of a certain brand it hurts the reputation in ways that wasn't the case two years ago five years ago right so you have to be you have to sort of overcome that and, and you have to be very nimble and frankly adopt um, you know new strategies as, as as they move forward
1: so that sounds like uh, you're pretty bullish on this idea and that uh those cons- consumers out there that might be concerned about this or even regulators that are looking at this deal should see this as a positive for potential positive for customer service rather than something to worry about.
4: I'm not sure, um, you know, if I am Alex Annette, I am bullish, but I am positive that every time you spend $45 billion, <laughs> you know, to yeah, every other week, uh, right? <laughs> go through a major transaction, and you are in a hyper competitive environment, I mean, that's where I disagree. The competition is there, and in a very fast evolving world. You know, I'm sure people are putting their heads together, and, and I'm sure they are going to look at all these things and say, what can we do better? There's plenty to do better, given where they are today. So I'm positive. I am, I am bullish on the fact that the business rationale will dictate that this uh, defensive move actually becomes an offensive tactic in the long run.
3: Okay. Well, head of – you know, a chief if – if Time Warner Cable and Comcast, or Comcast, if you're listening, you know, a, a point ahead of consumer service – I think that'll be a, a way for you to take advantage of this, uh, of you know, pending merger and maybe even appease regulators and customers. Um, as <laughs> I think I
1: have some deals. friends that would like yeah, that sure. role. We'll, Actually, we'll have some Time <laughs> Warner Cable customers, <laughs> right. and we jump right in there.
3: A lot of candidates for that job. That's,
1: that's yeah. great, uh, Dilawar, uh, uh, North America President at Fresh Desk. Thank you very much for joining us.
4: Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to the Inside Scoop, the Bloomberg Media Podcast.